Good morning. How's everyone doing today? All right. Awesome. Are you feeling as blessed as I am today? I mean, we got to wake up and we got to breathe a fresh breath of life. And I think so often we don't understand how much of a blessing that is. Um, I was just want to honor the Lord for just um, giving us another day. And I was looking up in uh, Lamentations 3, 22 to 24. It says, God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They are created new every morning. How great is your faithfulness. I just think that's so beautiful that each morning we get to wake up and we get to receive a fresh mercy from the Lord for that day that we, before we even took a breath, we already have everything that we need, everything that we could desire, and it's already given to us as a free gift. We didn't have to do anything to earn that, anything to deserve that. Isn't that good? All right. So as I was um, just praying about what I should preach on this morning, um, the Lord just really reminded me of a time when I was out at Bethel during second year. And during this time and the season in my life, he really stirred up a hunger for me to fully understand the gospel and what it really means. And I think so much of the church has had this understanding of the gospel that Jesus just went and he died on the cross to forgive us of our sins and so that one day we can go to this place called heaven. And that's kind of where it ends for them. And I just got this knowing in my heart that there has to be more to it than that. I mean, heaven went completely bankrupt for this gospel. Like, if this is the gospel that the majority of the Christians are receiving, I think the, the world that we would see around us would look a little bit different today. So as I was just chasing after what does the gospel really mean and what is the you know what is the fullness of this like there has to be more to the picture of what we're just seeing or what the majority of the christian church is believing today you know and so that's kind of what i want to talk to you about today i think that if the majority of America, the predominant religion here is Christianity, and I don't think that the majority of Christians fully understand everything that Jesus won for them on the cross. And so I was just, I spent a year really chasing after an understanding of the gospel, an understanding of everything that was won and possessed for us. And so that's why I want to kind of talk to y'all about this morning, and I hope that Hopefully we can, I can show you something new, something that you might have not heard before, and we can just dive into this. I'm really excited about it because at the end of the day, it's all about Jesus. It's all about his word. It's about his life. It's not about, you know, us or what we're dealing with, but it's just all about him. And when we step into that understanding and that realization, we just get to, it's just pure and it's holy, and that's what it's all going to be about this morning. Yep. And, um... As we just give ourselves to that and we fully surrender everything that we have and we fully step into what God has created us to be, um, we get to walk in the fullness of of the gospel. And I think a lot of times we will surrender a lot of areas of our life, but there'll be just one area here and there that we'll be holding up back and we'll just kind of say, you know what, this one's kind of mine. I think I'm going to keep this for myself. Um, but we don't understand that what we're holding on to is holding us back from receiving something so much greater. It's like we're holding an apple, but he wants to give us access to the full fruit tree. And he doesn't want to just give us access to all the fruit on the tree. He wants to give us access to the root system that is able to create the fruit. And 
He wants to ha- let us have these fruit trees in our life, and we, he doesn't want us to just, you know, be able to, he wants to have us um, be able to go through seasons where we're continually producing fruit that is able to feed generations to come. How many of you want those fruit trees in your life where you're able to continually produce fruit in due season where it's going to feed not just your generation, but the generations after you? Right? Can you raise your hand for that? Who wants some of that? All right. That's good. All right. So a lot of people don't understand that Jesus paid a price to remove all of the sin from your life. He paid that price so that you can get that fully taken out of you, that you're fully sanctified. They think, okay, you know, I'm just going to show up on Sunday. I'm just going to hear a good message. You know, thanks, Pastor, for letting me know I'm forgiven and that there's some being out there that loves me. I guess that's cool and everything. And they just leave it at that. And they don't understand that when Jesus died on the cross, it was to remove every bit of sin that was in us so that when that sin is removed, he gets to replace it with his identity and who he's called us to be. And we get to be returned back to the nature of God, and he gets to return his spirit back inside of us. It was like he's returning us back to the garden before we even sinned, before we even ate from the tree. I know that a lot of people... um, look at Adam, and they say, man, like, I wish that guy just wouldn't have eaten from the tree. You know, if he just hadn't have done that, like, we would be having it good right now. You know, we'd be living the good life. This is, you know, if he just hadn't have done that, if he just hadn't messed it up for the rest of us, it would be, you know, we'd have it set. And I get where they're coming from from that mindset, but what they don't really understand is we already have access to the garden before Adam even sinned. Everything that was possessed in that garden, living a sinless life, we actually have access to walk in that garden daily. We have access to walk with God in the coolness of the garden. We have access to perfect peace every day. We have access to living a sinless life and living a life without sickness. So we get to step into all of this. And what a lot of people don't realize is when they were living in the garden, they actually had the tree of life was in the garden. A lot of people just think about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that was the fall of mankind, and that's kind of what they take away from the story. But man was created to eat from the tree of life, which means that we were created to never die. Before sin entered the world, we were created originally to walk in eternal life and to walk in that and to never die. Amen. So I think we can look at this. um, And if you even look at it in John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So when Jesus was dying on the cross, he actually gave us access to go back to the garden as if we never sinned, as if we ever ate the tree. And we get to live in this world and in this pocket of being sinless. And we get to live that inside of us. Now, I know what you're thinking. You might be thinking, um, okay, that's cool and everything. Maybe I'm sinless, but I still have to see all this junk in this world around me. But If you're thinking that way, that's because you're allowing that to be your reality. You're allowing the world around you to 
be continuing to live in, in a sinful nature and stuff, and you don't understand that you have authority over that, and that you have authority to change the atmosphere and the world around you, and you have authority to come in and not just create the life of the identity inside of you of being pure and holy, but you get to create that and bring that around you everywhere that you go. Isn't that good? That's what it's about right there. Now, some people are going to tell you, well, okay, that's cool and everything, you know, but I'm still going to sin. In fact, I'm probably sinning right now, and I don't even know it, you know. I'm living in a sinful world, and this is just who I am. And when you create those type of belief systems, and you believe that you're a sinner by nature, you're actually giving yourself the ability to... or. If you think that you if you're labeling yourself as a sinner, then you're going to allow yourself to walk in that sin nature and you're not letting yourself be free to walk in everything that God possessed for you because what you believe is what you're going to create. And if you're believing that you're a son and a daughter and that you're holy and that you're sanctified, that's the reality that you get to create around you everywhere that you go. All right. So if he has come and he's cleansing me of all unrighteousness and all sin, then what's left is righteousness. So if he's come and he's sanctified me and everything that is gone, everything, everything that's dirty, he gets to wash that away, then everything that, the only thing that is left is righteousness and it's who he created me to be in the first place. So then we get to walk as a son our daughter, and we get to be fully accepted by the beloved and just fully received by him. God has created us to be clean, pure, and holy in his sight. Now, it says in Colossians chapter 1 that we were once enemies uh, with God because of the sinful mindset that we had. It was twisted and it was perverted, and we were sin conscious. And it says that we thought, the way that we thought separated us and made us enemies with God. So when we were em- enemies and separated by the sinful works that were going on in our minds, he has, now, but he has now reconciled us through the death of Jesus. Some of you might know what, might want to know what the word reconciled means. It means that we are now made right with God. And that's just an amazing reason just to rejoice in itself. That we just get to come and we say, I am made right with God. God looks at me. He says, I am holy. I am just. He doesn't look at me and say, okay, if you can just work on these a couple areas, you know, then we'll be good and stuff. If you just get a little bit better at this, then, you know, then we can come and you can be with me and everything. He says, just as you are, I have called you holy. I have called you righteous. And this is what you get to walk in and you get to be in the garden with me right now how we are. There's nothing that's going to hold you back from that. There's nothing that you can walk through right now. It's not a 10-step process to get to heaven. It's the reality of believing that he wants to be with you fully right now with you how you are. Yeah, so we must develop a mindset of seeing ourselves through the finished work of the cross, seeing ourselves how he created us to be. And if you don't see yourself the way that he created you, you to be, you're never going to be able to approach the throne of grace with boldness, with an unveiled face. You're never going to be able to approach him and start what he finished. It's a, I want you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles with me to John 14, uh, 12. 
All right, John 14, 12. Let's go ahead and read it together. It says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. That is so encouraging, but also kind of scary at the same time. Because if you think about it, like everything that God has done on this earth, everything that Jesus did when he walked on this earth, like... He wasn't playing around. He did some pretty big stuff. And if he's calling us to greater works than that, you know, sometimes my imagination can't even wrap around what that entails and what um, he wants to do through us. But, you know, I'm ready to just say yes, you know. And um, so as, but we can't do that. We can't step into those greater works unless we know who we are and unless we understand what Jesus has won for us. So a lot of people um, think that they have to do these works and they have to earn God's approval and earn God's love and they don't understand that they already have it, that it's already in their possession. And this is actually called a spirit of performance. And what it's saying is it's where everything that you do for God is done out of trying to get more from him based off of what we're doing. And I don't know about you, but I haven't found that anywhere in the Bible. So, um, I personally believe that this is one of the most deceptive spirits in the church today. And you have to understand the nature of deception is that you don't know you're being deceived. You can think you're walking good and you're walking right. And I'm not trying to say this to say, oh man, there's probably some sin in you or something. You know, I'm saying this that if you're being deceived, you don't know that the mindset that you're walking in is not true and holy. And that's why it's so important that we know the truth, that we know the word, that we know what is true so that any deception that could try to come our way is just worked out of us because the truth is going to set us free from that. And so um, so uh, many times, um, I used to be this way. I used to think... um, Okay, if I'm feeling far away from God, then I need to read my Bible, and I need to listen to worship music, and if I do these things, that'll help me get closer to Him. But it was all done out of a spirit of performance. I was believing that if I did these certain things for God, He would do these certain things for me. And that's not in the Bible anywhere. And... I'm not saying that listening to worship music or reading your Bible or pursuing the Lord is bad in any way. What I'm saying is you have to be careful to check your heart and know where is my actions coming from. Am I doing these actions because I feel like I need to earn something and I feel like I'm lacking something and I feel like I need to do these things to get more of this thing? Or am I doing this because I already understand I already have everything in Christ. I am already complete. I already have the fullness of his love at my fingertips. There's nothing more that I can do to gain more of him. And I'm going to go and I'm going to worship him. And I'm going to read my Bible so that I can go and be with him because he's worthy of it all. But I'm not, I know I already have everything that I need. So as you're just going, as you're just pursuing the Lord, um, you know, like I said, it's the nature of deception, so... If you're, it might, I might be talking to you, just saying. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and so as you're going, one thing that I've uh, learned to develop in my life is just asking myself the roots of where, what is the, 
root of the action that I'm doing. If I'm doing this thing, am I doing it because I feel like I don't already have it or I feel like I'm trying to gain it? Um, am I doing this out of my relationship with God and just wanting to draw closer to Him and draw closer and just fully grasp more of what He already has given me? Does that make sense? Did I lose anybody? <laughs> So we have the fullness of the kingdom of ha at hand. So good. So some people will ask me, like, so are you saying that we're supposed to be perfect all the time? And are we supposed to just never make any mistakes ever? And what they're asking when they're, they're saying things like this is... They're trying to prove their sin nature. And it sounds like humility, but they're actually validating their ability to fail. And when they go in and they say, okay, well, we're not going to be perfect, they're actually creating a mindset where they're allowing themselves to walk in that sin nature and not fully receive everything that Jesus won for them. And I don't know about you, I mean, I'm going to fully take everything that this word says inside of it and fully take it above my experiences just because I haven't experienced it yet and haven't fully um, and I'm continuing to walk more and more into this every day doesn't mean that my experience trumps his word and trumps what he says about my life and trumps the truth of what he has given us So the Lord says that he has reconciled the world to himself through Jesus, not imputing their trespasses against them. So through Jesus, he was willing to see you apart from what you've done wrong in order to get you to what you were created to be. Now, we get to see God the way he saw us. So we're not putting our, fault, uh, putting our faults or holding up signs that says God hates these different people groups. No, we're saying we're not saying uh, filthy sinners repent. We're saying that your life is worth more than what you're giving yourself to. You have a greater destiny than your urges. You are not your temptations. And what I mean by you are not your temptations is a lot of people get tempted to fall into sin in one way or another, and they think, well, if I'm feeling like I should do this, then this must be who I am. But that's not true. Just because you're tempted to do something doesn't mean that that's your identity or that's how God created you to be. He never created you to walk in that. It says even Jesus was tempted in every way. And just because God was tempted to do those things, do you think that that means that that's who he was? No. Of course not. He didn't act on a single one of those temptations. He got to walk in who he was created. And so just because you're tempted to do stuff that isn't of the Lord does not mean that that's who you are. And I think a lot of people have that misconception of just because they're feeling urges to do things that they aren't supposed to do, that they take that on as their identity. And they create, end up creating a way bigger battle for themselves than it ever needs to be. So, yeah, God gave you his holy nature. Your life is worth so much more with, than what you see. And that's what I really believe that the gospel is about. And this is what I believe that Jesus sacrificed his life for and that he laid down his life for was to be able to fully give us this, that we can fully walk in this. It was worth such a huge price. Heaven went bankrupt for this, but 
I don't think he would have done a, took a single lash or done a single thing um, if he didn't see that was completely worth it for us to fully walk in this. All right, so I have a video that um, I wanted to show you guys that I found while I was preparing for this, and it just fits so perfectly with everything that I was trying to say and communicate. So I just wanted to um, show that to you guys right now. So in the Bible, the ideas of heaven and earth are ways of talking about God's space and our space. So I understand our space really well. We live here. There's trees, rivers, mountains. But my understanding of God's space gets a little fuzzy. And what we do get in the Bible are images trying to help us grasp God's space, which is basically inconceivable to us. So these are two very different types of spaces. Yes, they're, they're different in their nature, but here's what's really interesting is that in the Bible, these are not always separate spaces. So think of heaven and earth as like different dimensions that can overlap in the same exact space. So we talk a lot about going to heaven after we die, but this idea of heaven and earth overlapping, we don't talk a lot about that. Which is kind of crazy because the union of heaven and earth is what the story of the Bible is all about. How they were once fully united and then driven apart and about how God is bringing them back together once again. So let's go back to the beginning, where heaven and earth, they're completely overlapping. Yeah, this is what uh, the Bible's description of the Garden of Eden is all about. It's a place where God and humanity dwelt together, perfectly no separation, and, and humans then partner with God in building a flourishing, beautiful world, and so on. But as humans, we wanted to do things a different way. We wanted got out and we wanted to create a world apart from him. Yeah, so we have these two spaces now. And the Bible actually uses lots of different kinds of words and phrases to refer to these two spaces to make a, a clear distinction. So you've said that these spaces can overlap, though. So explain how that works. Yeah, this is where we have to start talking about temples. Because in the biblical world, you experience God's presence by going to a temple. That's where heaven and earth uh, overlap. Now, there are two types of temples described in the Bible. One is a tabernacle, basically a tent that was built by Moses. And the other was this massive building made by Solomon. And these temples were decorated with fruit trees and flowers and images of angels and all kinds of gold and jewels and so on. And these are designed to make you feel like you're going back to the garden. And at the center of the temple was a place called the Holy of Holies, which was like the hot spot of God's presence. Now we can go and be with God again. But not so fast, because the temple also creates a problem. So God's space is full of his presence and goodness and justice and beauty. But human space is full of sin and injustice and the ugliness that results. So how do these spaces overlap if they're so different and they're in conflict with each other? This was resolved through animal sacrifice. Yeah, that's kind of weird. What do animal sacrifices have to do with this? Yeah, the, the idea is this. Animal sacrifices, somehow they absorb the sin when the animal dies in your place. And it creates a clean space, so to speak, where you are now free to enter into the temple and be in God's presence. Okay, so if I'm an Israelite and I live in Jerusalem, I might be able to be in God's presence. But you said the story of the Bible is all of heaven and earth reuniting. Right. So we have to keep going in the story where we come to Jesus in the New Testament. And in the Gospel of John, we hear this claim that God became human in Jesus and 
made his dwelling among us. Now this word dwelling is really curious. It, literally, it means he set up a tabernacle among us. And so what John is claiming right here is that Jesus is a temple. He is now the place where heaven and earth overlap. What's interesting about Jesus is that he isn't staying in this safe, clean space. He's running around, hanging out with sinners. He's healing people of their sicknesses and forgiving people of their sins. He's basically creating little pockets of heaven where people can be in God's presence, but he's doing it out there in the middle of the world of sin and death. And he keeps telling everyone that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he even told his followers to pray regularly that God's kingdom come and that his will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. But a lot of people are threatened by Jesus and they kill him, which seems to spoil this whole plan to reunite heaven and earth. But we, we have to go back to a scene earlier on in Jesus' story where John the Baptist saw Jesus and said, Behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus isn't just talked about as being a temple. He's also talked about as being the temple sacrifice. Yeah, so, so the cross is now the place where Jesus absorbs sin to create a clean space that is not limited like animal sacrifices. Jesus' sacrifice has the power to keep spreading and spreading and reuniting more and more of heaven and earth. And this is all really great, but it leaves one big question in my mind, which is, what happens when I die? Don't I just fly over to God's space to be with Jesus? Yeah, so a few times in the New Testament, we learn that Christians will be with Jesus in heaven after they die, but that is not the focus of the Bible's story. The focus is on how heaven and earth are being reunited through Jesus and will be completely brought together one day when he returns. So in the book of Revelation, we get this beautiful image of the Garden of Eden, now in the form of a city, coming to end the age of sin and death by redeeming all of human history in a renewed creation. And God's space and human space completely overlap once again. Um, I just feel like the Lord is saying, like, this is um, all that I need to share today. And I just feel like um, he is bringing this to a close. So before um, we go and I release you guys, I just want to ask, does anybody want to be activated in healing and being able to have the, the power of the kingdom of hand, like I'm talking about, and wants to be able to move in that more? And when you pray for people that... They're getting healed, and that's getting released. If you want some of that, will you just raise your hand? All right, awesome. And if you can, um, I would like for you to just stand up if that's something you want. All right. <laughs> All right. Lord, I thank you that for each of these people standing, that they're going to be able to fully walk in your nature. They're going to be able to fully walk in everything that you want for them. I just release a healing anointing on each one of them, that they're not just going to go out and heal people, but they're going to have the boldness to walk up to people, that when they see that there's sickness, when they see that death in the world, they're going to go over and they're going to have this boldness and this courageousness to go and uh, conquer and attack, and that they're just going to have this holy righteousness raise up inside of them that they're not going to be okay with seeing sin and injustice in the world anymore. And I just thank you that you've given them everything that they need to walk fully into that. And I just release that. Um, if you have any sickness in your body right now, I want you to just go ahead, just raise your hand if you're in any pain. 
All right. So everybody now should have everything that they need to go ahead and and we just want I just want you to go and find somebody that has raised their hand and go ahead and just release what you just got on them right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've already given to us. We just release healing on every part of the body right now. In the name of Jesus, we say any pain, go, any spirit of infirmity, leave right now in the name of Jesus from each person that has their hand raised. We ask that the kingdom of heaven falls upon them right now, that your Holy Spirit is falling upon them right now. We just ask that you release your spirit on them, that your spirit is flowing in them in every way, and it's overcoming that sin, that it's actually your spirit is filling them up so much that there's no room for sin anymore. Thank you, Lord, for how you're filling them right now. Fill them more, more, more. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for releasing your fire. Thank you for releasing your glory. Thank you, Lord, that the work is already complete. Thank you that we're just going to receive it right now. Amen. If um, I want you to go ahead and just take a moment and test it out if you can and just see if you notice uh, any difference in your body right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right, if you um, are experiencing any healing or if you see uh, any difference in your body right now, I just want you to wave both hands above your head. All right, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It's so good. All right, well... I just want to bless you guys that you can just take what um, we've spoken to you just um, throughout your week that you're able to walk in just the new revelation and the fullness of the gospel and that everywhere that you go, you're going to have that boldness with you um, to walk in everything that Jesus won for you. So you are released.